So we continue our series on the fruits of the Spirit. You'll recall that Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, the lesson we've been working with these several weeks, writes that the fruits of the Spirit are love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. The Vietnamese Buddhist monk and Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh is renowned for his teachings on gentleness. Thich Nhat Hanh actually asked Clover and Ian if he could come here and preach today, and they told him, no thanks, we, we're good, we've already invited Beth Ellsworth. <laughs> the unlikeliest voice to speak about gentleness. This fruit picked me because far from an expert, I'm still learning what gentleness is and is not. Please know that I am going to speak questions and truths that no one needs to hear more than I do. Gentleness knows its strength and applies it minimally, is aware of its impact. Gentleness is strength wielded wisely. When all you have is a hammer, as the saying goes, everything looks like a nail. Gentleness knows there are better tools. For 16 years, the best source for our family's toolbox has been summer camp. I'm positive more learning and growth happens in four weeks at camp than a whole year at school. My girls loved their summer camp. Our 21-year-old loves it so much, in fact, she's still there. She's on staff for her second year as a counselor. At camp, they sing and play and raft, and they engage in what's known as type two fun. A recent article about type two fun calls it, quote, a strange beast because it isn't actually fun at the moment. In fact, it feels much like suffering. It's only after the event and in reflection that you come to realize you actually had fun. In spite of its almost heinous nature, after a day or month, you forget all about the terrible parts of your adventure and only remember the good moments. Type 2 fun is the most fulfilling. Sunny days, cruising a ski resort's groomers and long, mellow bike rides all blend into a collective memory. But the days we get out of our comfort zone, push a little farther than normal, lead to the experiences that separate themselves in our memory. Type 2 fun is fantastic, but only because there's a container around it. There's an arc from the beginning to the end, and we know it's always worth it. The payoff sometimes arrives the minute you finish. Some of the best joy can be seen only in a rearview mirror. At camp, they say, try hard, try hard. When a camper expresses anxiety or doubt, you can do hard things, try hard. And with type two fun, it's important to try hard. 
But telling someone, try hard, is different from try harder when they're already trying hard. Often, when people struggle, kids and adults, ourselves included, we lazy shame. When I compare and despair, and I forget to meet myself with gentleness, I sometimes think, lazy. A teaching colleague of mine used to say, there's no such thing as lazy. Calling someone lazy is lazy. Look more closely. What if lazy weren't a word, a concept? And we had to use other words to describe why people aren't achieving. Afraid, anxious, has time management challenges, different priorities, different values, not supported, not resourced. These look a lot like lazy. Maybe he's marching to the beat of a different drum. Maybe she's exhausted from dragging around the enormous weight of the label we put on her when we tell her she has so much potential to do better. Be gentle when you tell someone they have potential. It's terrifying news. Radically gentle teachers reframe thoughtfully. It's not sugarcoating. It's shining a light on truth. Jesus, in his teaching, preached a gentler way. And likewise, Paul, in his letter that he wrote from jail, and which Ellen read so beautifully for us, thanks Ellen, tells us, let your gentleness be known. I think he's saying, lead with open hearts, not with your worried bellies, not with your danger-scanning brain designed to react as if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Let God's goodness be known through your gentleness. The temptation to over-function, to do more, be more, try harder, go outside of what it is God calls us to do is a shiny thing. Beware this seduction. You'll thank yourself later. A couple of weeks ago, our esteemed executive director, the Reverend Dr. Jason Hayes, referred to a British theologian from the turn of the last century, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, who said, enough is as good as a feast. Beware the temptation. Just because you could, it doesn't mean you always should. If being harder on yourself worked, it would have worked by now. So when I heard about the book and spiritual practice, Try Softer, it got my attention. The full title of Andy Kolber's book is Try Softer, a fresh approach to move us out of anxiety, stress, and survival mode and into a life of connection and joy. She writes, our world overvalues productivity and others' opinions, so we learn to ignore the messages our bodies are giving us through emotions, 
and physical sensations and push through pain and pretend we have it all together. Trying softer is listening compassionately to our needs so we can move through life with more gentleness and resilience. Perhaps trying harder has helped us to feel safe in the past, but as she writes, God's heart for us is outrageously gentle. Trying softer is sacred work. At camp, they say, the way you do something is the way you do everything. If you don't show up and fully commit to being there, if you skip over the self-care, you're not equipping yourself to move through anything with gentleness and resilience. Campers learn that self-care may not be what you think it is. It simply means doing yourself a kindness you'll thank yourself for later. Like making sure your water bottle is filled or packing an extra pair of dry socks. Self-care is less about bubble baths and more about naps. It's another rear view mirror practice. Now, I would not want this part of the counselor's job. Nightly foot checks for hot spots. Every night on two-week hiking trips, everybody takes off their hiking boots and their smelly socks and wiggles their nasty little toes while the counselors check all their feet with a flashlight for hot spots and sores. If campers ignore blisters or small injuries, they only get worse. And if you can't hike, we can't hike. One camper denying pain impacts the group's capacity to function. The leader is practicing self-care for the group, literally shining a light on a painful truth that cannot go ignored. At camp, they circle up around the fire and talk about important things, seen and unseen. I'm a huge fan of small group circles. I have witnessed the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit while sitting in circles with many of you. Such circles call for the utmost gentleness if we expect our souls to show up. Sunday evenings at camp, they have vespers. Campers sit in a sacred space and watch the sunset. It anchors the week for the whole community. It's a time for reflection and for kids to remember how they impact one another and the earth in big and small ways. Vespers opens with the prayer of St. Francis. Make me a channel of your peace. And they sing camp songs and have intentional quiet. And they close by saying together from memory this, nothing is simple and alone. The breathing mountains, the living stones, each blade of grass, the clouds, the rain, each star, the beasts, the birds, and the invisible spirits in the air, we are all one, indivisible, nothing that any of us does but affects us 
all. Now, I don't know what Thich Nhat Hanh would have said if he were here today, but I bet that was it. Amen.